In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. everybody and welcome to Older Women Likewise. Um, we're super excited to be coming to you tonight. We are missing Isla. We have a special guest with us, Heather Wells. Heather, um, we're so happy to have you. Cindy, where are you tonight? I crossed over today from Arizona to Utah. So we are going to go explore Bryce Canyon and Zion and all kinds of fabulous Southwest locations. So super excited. It's not Switzerland, Isla, but at least, you know, I am out there. Yes. We just got back from um, Branson, Missouri. Ah. Um, We saw a couple shows out there. It was very fun. Um, The 10 hour trip out there was not fun, Mm. but we we enjoyed it out. We really enjoyed the trip. So Heather, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm curious, Cindy, are you all covered in pollen in Utah like we are in Indiana? Well, we just got to Utah, but pollen has been a big deal for me for a while. I've been coughing like crazy and stuff. So I actually am going to go see an allergist when we get back to Oregon. Like, what is going on? I'm like a mucus factory. There is too much information (laughs) for everyone. Way too much information, but that's what's going on. And in these days and times, yeah, these (laughs) days and times, you can't just be coughing because everybody, like, runs from you. Oh, I can't tell you how unpopular I am right now. I'm I'm so unpopular. I still love you. (laughs) Everything is covered in an eerie neon yellow color outside. It's just almost the snowblowers back out to get you out. Wow. That's a bad time. (laughs) So tonight our title is the truth will set you free. And um, Heather's going to lead us in our discussion. So start us off, Heather. Okay, great. So I'm super excited when I got this topic from you all. um, I started digging in and realized you have given me the hugest topic. It covers. (laughs) You're welcome. So uh, I thought I would just start off with our key verse. Mm -hmm. um, And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8, 32. And this verse is one of those verses, I think, from scripture that even um, unchurched, non-religious people tend to know this verse. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And I'm curious, um, what do you think that most people, what comes to mind when most people out in the world say the truth will set you free? What do you think they're referencing? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm afraid that what they're thinking is that since Jesus died to make atonement for our sins, that we are now free from the spiritual consequences of our past, present and future sins. Like basically we're free to sin and without being complicit to our own demise. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm concerned. That's what people may think about this verse. Right. They're free to do whatever they want, 
But, yeah. you know, if you read the verse before it in verse 31, it said, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly yes. my disciples. So he didn't qualify it, but sometimes <laughs> we just like to like, quote the part we know that sounds good that lets us do what we want <laughs> right and then we yes. all that before stuff right so uh, what immediately came to my mind was this verse is probably carved into jailhouse bunks and prison walls all over the place right that oh, people right. are looking for the truth to set them free mm -hmm. from some earthly situation mm -hmm. and part of that's fair, right? If, if we believe that Jesus is truth, then anytime truth is part of our conversation, we have essentially invited Jesus into that conversation. Anytime lies, and we'll get into this more later, anytime lies are present, we've invited Satan into the right. conversation. So let's take this person who might be waiting for the truth to come out and set them free from a a prison sentence or, or whatever they're chained to, right? That might happen. They might get cleared in the present. They may never get their name cleared. They may get their name cleared when they're dead and it doesn't really benefit them anymore, right? right? So there is some sense in which truth will set you free here on this earth, but mm -hmm. our Jesus is so good. He says, no, 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 that's not enough. I'm going to give you a truth that will really set you free. And they don't get this, but he spends all of John 8 talking about this freedom. So let's back up a little to the beginning of John. There's a well-known story here um, about a woman who has been caught. For those listening, you can't see. I just did air quotes. Caught in adultery. So this is what happens. Jesus is in the temple. The scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses and the law commanded us mm -hmm. that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus has raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So let's piece this story out a little bit. These men have brought this woman caught in the very act of adultery. Right. Now, by definition, you cannot commit adultery all by yourself. Right. There has to be another present. So somehow these men managed to only catch one person 
and adultery. Mm -hmm. There were two people, but one was too fast for them. They were only concerned about one. You know, whatever the scenario was, they only bring one of these people that by their testimony, they say they have caught in the act of adultery. So already you get only part Mm -hmm. of a story, right? Mm -hmm. So in our house, we call a half truth, no truth at all. Mm-hmm. So they've only gotten half of what's going on here. So then Jesus, uh, or they bring him, and are they concerned about the truth of this situation? No, the scripture already says they weren't coming to find out. We're really in a conundrum. What shall we do? Right. Right. They're coming to test him. So these mm-hmm. people are not dealing with the truth. They are not seeking the truth. So, um, Allison, I'm curious, what do you know about Moses's law and what do they see about this? So I I think it's interesting when they say, you know, according to the law, she's supposed to be stoned. So let's just talk about the law for a second. (laughs) Um, Number one. It, it's very interesting, and I think we could learn a lot of lessons from this, how God set this up. Um, in Deuteronomy 17, it says, um, on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, and then that's it. If you if it's one person, then you cannot, no, but don't even speak it. It has to be two or three witnesses. But then in verse 7, it says, the hand of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death. So if you are willing to bring an accusation against someone, you have to be two or three eyewitnesses and those people have to pick up the first rock and throw it. You are the very beginning of that. So, I mean, just that mm. you knew it, I, I'd be like, mm, I'm not, I don't know that yeah. I can do that. I, you yeah. have to be willing to pick up the rock and throw it yourself. In addition in the um, Jewish law, in chapter 19 of Deuteronomy, if you read verse 18, it says, the judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brothers falsely, then you shall do to him as he has meant to do to his brother. So we know this whole thing is shady, right? Yep. right. Where is the man? Okay. So they know it's shady. If it is proven that they're trying to trick him and not bring a legit um, accusation against this woman and the man that's not there, if it's shady, then you get the punishment. Mm -hmm. So I think that was like, okay, maybe you ought to think about this for a little bit. And I Mm -hmm. love that God has set it up that way. You have to really think about it before you come and accuse some, drag some woman out and start saying, okay, let's stone her. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I love how Jesus in this encounter, you know, he just, he's like the best multitasker ever, right? Because he doesn't (laughs) just deal with this situation about the woman. He's Mm -hmm. also teaching them more about Moses's law, right? Because Later in this, when he says, where are the accusers? Uh He can't condemn her. Why can Jesus not righteously condemn her? He's not an eyewitness. He wasn't an eyewitness. So this is not just Jesus showing, you know, vast mercy to her. It's Uh even more than that. 
he's showing them this is how the law works because he kept it perfectly and no Mm -hmm. man has been able to do that. But we're going to see in this chapter more and more, he's Mm -hmm. concerned about truth and they weren't. Right. So I'm curious, as we look at this story, in what sense did the truth convict these men? Well, at least we have to give them credit that internally and silently, they tell themselves the truth. I am, I have sin. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not without sin. And it's interesting to me that the oldest come to that realization first. I yes. Because <laughs> it's not interesting yes. because I don't know if you guys have this is the same experience. My guess is yes, is that as you age, it's like the mercy of God. Like I failed today. I failed again today. And then there's that repentance and the mercy of God. And over a lifetime of that, it's like, I cannot get over how gracious the (laughs) Lord is for me. So that, yeah. So they tell themselves the truth. And so they are convicted you know, within themselves. And so they get that chance to repent because yeah, they're, they're sinning even in that moment, right. trying to entrap the savior. Not only are you guilty of sin in the past, but in the present, you are right now guilty of sin yeah. Run for your life, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so because they put the stones down, what did truth free them from? Well, from they're about to sin, you know, and the truth is it starts to reveal what was in your heart, not what your word said. Okay. Because like you were talking about the half truth is no truth at all. Now it's starting to reveal what your true intent was. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I would love to believe that some of these men eventually came to believe in our Jesus and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're saved. How wonderful that Jesus asking them to convict themselves to witness against themselves saves them from this horrible injustice injustice that they were Mm -hmm. participating in. Mm-hmm. So while it may have been very hard for them, you know, they're all lathered up. They're all there with the guys. They're getting ready to do this. They're getting ready to really stick it to Jesus. It must have been just a, a just deflating to, right. to watch the oldest guy in the bunch drop his stone. Yeah. And the next one drop his on and on and on. All these men who, you know, were back clapping not that long before this. Oh, right. Right. That had to have been awful. But my hope is that at some point they thought, oh, thank you. Mm. Thank you that I did not. Yeah. Yeah, You saved me from having to take. And also, I mean, think about it. Eventually, if it was proven that it was shady, they could have been stoned themselves. Yeah. It's, you know, you're not worried about the law and you certainly are not worried about this woman. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, it, and Jesus manages to be concerned about it all. He, he hits yeah. it all. So let's talk about this woman. Um, how does the truth convict this woman? What she convicted of in this? Adultery. Yeah. I mean, 
despite how shady this might have been, it the scripture does not say they plucked this woman out of the market while she was buying fish and brought her. Yeah. So yeah. She's engaged in something she shouldn't have been. Right. Mm -hmm. So he does convict her on there and he calls it sin. Yes, he does. So truth doesn't shy away from right. being honest about mm -hmm. the situation, what was real. But how did the truth then free this woman? Mm. Well, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, Jesus's grace and mercy for the adulteress gave her what Jesus's grace and mercy does for all of us. And that is, it opens up the undeserved opportunity to repent and sin no more. And in that right. way, escape damnation, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how beautiful. None of these people could have been the same after this encounter with right. Jesus. At least I hope not. Mm -hmm. And even if they didn't change, I hope we don't leave the encounter unchanged, but can really appreciate all that Jesus is doing. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something I've been trying to do better with in my Bible studies uh, lately. And that's really paying attention to just the structure of whatever book we're studying. Okay. And so what's interesting to me about John 8 is he goes from this discussion with the false witnesses um, that aren't, aren't to your point, Allison, following Moses's law about mm -hmm. how to establish testimony. He goes right then into verse 12 and says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then the Pharisees start discussing being witness. You can't be a witness to yourself. It was like, oh, ho, ho. now they're experts on how yeah. to be a witness. Well, now you know the law, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but Jesus kind of in, uh, inserts this statement about I am the light. And so we're talking about truth. Now he says, I am the light. So I am curious what you all think about the relationship between truth and light. You can't do shady things in the light. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's like when the light, have you ever, okay. So like when you get in your makeup mirror and you turn on that light and the magnification and then you go, <laughs> Whoa, like, <laughs> I have all those hairs on my chin. Like, why didn't you tell me you did not know? You didn't right. know all this information. And then you turn on that light and it's like, oh, my word. Okay. Welcome to the truth. Welcome that's to the right. truth. It will set you free to put on your makeup now. <laughs> but then I couldn't deal with it until the light came on. Right. Because I didn't yes. know. But then the light comes and it's like, oh, I need to deal with this right away. But right that, away. the same thing with sin, when the light shines on mm -hmm. it, it's like, I need to deal with this right away. Hopefully that's what mm -hmm. we think. You know, sometimes we don't deal with it that way. But when things are in the dark, yeah, it's just not, a, not as evident, I guess. Well, and it reminds me of Proverbs 419, where it says that sinners don't even know over what they're stumbling. So when the lies of the enemy come, it's like utter darkness. And you can tell that you keep causing yourself pain and putting yourself into these situations 
that are ruining your life, but you're like, right. why is this not like I'm living according to everything that I'm hearing? Um, but when the flashlight of truth shines in the dark, it's like, oh, that's what I ran into. And this is what has caused me to bleed. Or there is a God, you know, the light of God's truth. It's like in that realization hits you, there has to be a God. And God has spoken and what he's spoken about, uh, he has spoken about like when I choose to fornicate or lie or be prideful or selfish or drunk or whatever, that I'm actually destroying myself. I mean, that's what the light of his word shows us on a real practical level. It's like now I see I could instead actually do the things that he tells me to do. And then I could reach my full potential and maybe have, you know, a happier life if I can get out of this darkness and see what I keep stumbling over that is causing me so much pain, you know? And so that's ultimately, I think the, the, what the connection is between the truth and the light, you know, the light of God's truth. I just love that because you really hit on this idea of the dark being dangerous. Yeah. And we see just in this opening story, those men had darkened hearts. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, when Jesus, the light, you know, puts out, you who haven't sinned, go ahead, cast the first stone. I'm not stopping you. You know, thankfully, they, like you said, Allison, saw that, realized it needed to be taken care of and dropped the stones. But so often that's really difficult to do. And Mm -hmm. we like to stay in the dark where you can't tell what all of my failings are, my weaknesses. And then if you can't tell and I'm not really seeing it, then I don't really have to deal with it. But it's dangerous there. There are pitfalls we can't see. So Mm -hmm. Jesus makes this proclamation. I am the light of the world. And John, the whole book of John, Jesus has a whole bunch of other I am declarations. So um, you get in later, I think it's chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. Chapter 11, he talks about I'm the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So he has throughout the book of John, that's kind of one of his themes, I am. Yeah. He he punches it at the end of John 8 with just the I am period. Before Abraham was, Mm. I am. And this whole chapter, I mean, the whole book, but in this chapter, you see Jesus is leading them to... I and the Father am one, mm-hmm. right? There is a light, a source of truth. We're one. And that's what he gets into in this next section. The Pharisees tell him in 13, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness isn't true, right? So back to your point, Allison, you're just one person can't bear witness to themselves. That's not what the law says. <sighs> but Jesus says, um, if I bear witness of myself, My witness is true for I know where I came from. I know where I'm going, but you don't know. And then if you skip down to the second part of 16, he says, for I'm not alone, but I'm with the father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Mm -hmm. I am one who bears witness of myself and the father who sent me 
bears witness of me. Mm -hmm. Jesus is establishing here his oneness with the father, his relationship with the father. Mm -hmm. And this is really going to come out, I think, more and more in John about how important this relationship is, Um, our relationship with him and then in the truth. So you think they liked that, that he said, the father is my say that God is my second witness. Well, that's like pouring salt in the wound right there. Man, that's just going to whip a frenzy. And for those in the back who didn't catch that one, they all caught it at the end of the chapter. When he says before Abraham was, I am, they take up stones at that point. They're like, Oh, we know what that means. You just equated yourself to Mm -hmm. To Yahweh, who says to Moses, go tell them, I am sent you. Like they mm-hmm. knew that. Yeah. So they knew that part of the history. But this is interesting to me. Um, we get down. I'm going to skip ahead and then go back, if you don't mind. Okay. okay. They say in verse um, 33. Okay, so 31 and 32, have the, you know the truth. The truth shall set you free. And then they say to him after this. We're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will make us free? Is there any truth to that statement? I, I mean, let's <laughs> be as whole Egyptian thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> never happened, Allison. Never <laughs> happened. Yeah. They had cancel culture back then, too, I guess. Yes. <laughs> no Babylon. Cancel Babylon. Cancel right. Assyria. None of that. Um, none of that. Yeah, basically, they're saying we don't need this freedom that you're offering us uh, because we are already free. And the, and in addition to that, so have our ancestors always been free. So, yeah. Okay. Not an so- open heart. I took this to my husband. I said, am I missing something? Is there any way this could have possibly been okay, like a half truth? And he said, the only thing I can come up with is if they were thinking, well, we currently aren't in bondage. Of course, they were currently under Roman rule. Yeah. So they still weren't completely free. But he made this point, and I thought it was interesting, about how often we can delude ourselves. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Like the Jews could, you know, for the most part, they could do commerce, they could marry, they could travel, um, they could do a lot of their own legal things. That, now, they couldn't, couldn't kill anybody, but right. they could do a lot of other legal things. So... Was it that sense of like, well, it's not that bad. And so I'm not going to call it what it really is. Mm. Mm. And how often we might fall into that same trap of, well, I'm doing pretty okay. Let me not deal with the reality of the situation. Mm hmm. So I, that was the only way we were being as gracious as we could, that maybe that current generation was thinking, well, we've not personally been enslaved, mm. but they weren't a Roman rule, which, you know, wasn't exactly complete freedom. No, no, no. So I'm curious. They're, they're so carnally minded, right? That mm-hmm. 
that they they make that statement. And then Jesus says right after that, um, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. Yeah. That's not even what I'm talking about. So they're completely in the physical. Right. And, and even there, they're not being honest. Right. Just like that doesn't even matter. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. But when I gave consideration to them thinking in those terms that we've never been in bondage, I thought, you know what comes with not admitting you were in bondage? What comes with that is you don't get God saying, I bore you out of Egypt on eagles. Mm, mm, you don't uh -huh. get the miracle of the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. You don't get, you know, the love letters God sent to them when they were in exile in Babylon through Jeremiah. You don't get any mm. of the miracles, the comfort, the consolation. All that goes away, too. Yeah. Like we don't need a savior. And they don't after being saved so many times, we yeah. don't need a savior. We've never needed a savior. Yeah. Well, you make good. a really, right. really good point. Very good paint point, Heather. Well, thanks. I really, it hit me because I thought, how often have I felt like, mm. well, I got through that. Mm. Right. You know, or how often, I, I don't know if you all suffer from this, but I tend to be like a, all right, that was bad. Now we're just going on to the next thing. Oh, okay. Well, that was a horrible thing that happened, but we're just going on to the next thing. And I don't sit very well in sorrow. That, that mm. is not my strength. So when I think about if I could do that better, if I could sit in sorrow better and the truth of a situation, whether it was someone betrayed me and that legitimately hurt, that is the truth here. Or, you know, someone passed that I was very close to and I'm going to sit in the truth of grief, right? Mm. When we sit in that, that is where God can then come to mm -hmm. save us. That mm -hmm. is where his name gets glorified. If mm -hmm. I never say I've been in bondage to jealousy, right. then what credit does he get? Right. If I can't admit either my sorrow or my sin, mm -hmm. he doesn't get any credit. To your point, Cindy, I've just said, I don't need you. Mm -hmm. One of the things that helps me is, um, okay, so have you ever said, oh, I, I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to say a prayer for you, or I'm going to pray about that. And then you just like never thought of it again. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, I have a list in my phone. Okay. Because if I have like a, the bulletin or whatever, like, I don't know where that is. I'm artsy, right? <laughs> I've lost that, but I know where my phone is, right? Yes. So I have a list of people and things that I'm praying for in the notes of my phone. I always know where that is. And then when something is answered, I cut it and paste it to the top so that I have to scroll past all these things that God has done that I remember before I get to the things that, you know, I'm concerned about and that I'm asking God about, but you have to remember those things. This is what God's done. This is what's God done while you're scrolling that. And I think, you know, when David said, God delivered me from the mouth of the lion and from the mouth of the bear, and he will deliver me now mm -hmm. that remembering 
that he has answered and he's been and that you are fallible. That's what makes you strong because you remember it's him and not you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if mm -hmm. they had taken a beat, the humility that was necessary for them to remember, oh, yeah, we have been in bondage. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That humility should prompt like, oh, well, let's not do that again. Right. Or the providence involved in them going to Egypt, how God cared for them, how mm -hmm. sometimes it's a long time from our standpoint, from God making a promise to its fulfillment, but he always does, mm -hmm. right? All of those things that they had really thought about it. If I'll really think about what's true about my past, that yes. should prompt a humility and a gratitude. And mm -hmm. right. And both of those things, Satan does not like, which is mm -hmm. why as we go down a couple of verses, they're having this discussion mm -hmm. about, you know, our father's Abraham and, and um, we're not illegitimate. And then Jesus says to them in verse 44, you're of your father, the devil and the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So you mm. get this great contrast between Satan's the father of lies. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the father of death. And what was the other one? Bondage. Right. Whereas. God stands in opposition to that. He's going mm -hmm. to bring freedom and life and truth, all the things Satan won't. And so mm -hmm. he sets up this, who do you want to be in relationship with? Mm -hmm. and I really wanted us to, to pull this point out of this passage that truth is not a matter of a checklist um, mm. truth, 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 check it, you know, check. I did all those. I'm dying. That's law keeping. And that does not save us. The, the right. whole point of the old law was to show you, even though this old law was full of truth, you can't do it. <laughs> you needed a savior. Mm -hmm. Well, In the new Testament, we get, instead of this law keeping, we get this invitation into relationship. Mm -hmm. That right. goes back to your earlier point, Allison, about, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's highlighting there our relationship with him. We're his followers. He's our master. And that relationship le leads to then obedience. And when mm -hmm. we obey, you get this great cycle, right? Now, because mm -hmm. I'm in relationship with him, I want to do what pleases him. I love him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to obey. Oh, when I obey, guess what I find out? These laws are not grievous. This is exactly. And exactly. that makes me love him more. So right. it's this beautiful cycle. This is not mm -hmm. a matter of truth setting us free because we have a checklist right. and we uh -huh. checked it all off what we needed to do. That's not the point because the old law teaches us you, you never are going to check it all off. It's not not perfectly. Right. And if you don't do it one time, you violated the whole law. So Jesus instead is showing this is my relationship with God. 
based in truth, based in reality. This is your relationship with me. And mm-hmm. your only other choice is relationship with Satan. Mm-hmm. Wow. You don't want that. No. Yeah. yeah. The truth is that while there is no relationship with God, as you pointed out, um, without rule keeping in terms of like Christ says in this text, you know, those who, um, oh, help me out, ladies. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples and, and those ideas. And we have to bear fruit in keeping with repentance right. and etc. But the truth is when we, like you said, when we come against a boundary, a rule or a boundary, the difference of how you look at it of like, oh, thank you, Lord, for setting up a barrier around that behavior. Otherwise, I would have destroyed myself. Like that's (laughs) the rules are suddenly his mercy. Like, thank heaven. Every one of them benefits me physically, emotionally, you know, intellectually, spiritually in all the ways that his rules are, are some of our best blessings and Mm -hmm. add value. Um, Romans eight verse five says for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For uh-huh. to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It's active. It doesn't happen yeah. by accident. And I think, you know, this rule thing, um, if you think about it, if like you're young and a boy that you are dating comes to you and he says, there's this other girl and I really like her, but I don't want to lose you. Okay. Can I hold her hand? Can I take her to the movies? Can I kiss her? Like how, how far can I go with her, but not lose you? Mm -hmm. Is that the kind of relationship that you want? No, hit the road. Like nobody's (laughs) interested in that. You can, she can have you. Right. Yes. Amen. It's the same with God. If you are looking for loopholes and how far can I stay, how much can I cling to this world, but still have you, it's not the kind of relationship. It's not about rules. It is, you know, you want to please them. You want just like you would somebody who truly loves you, but it's not loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. If you're looking at rules, okay, well, you have to do this and you have to do this. It's, no, mm-hmm. I, you're not going to ask, can I hold her hand? You're not going to. Right, right. I like that. I love that. And and I love how Jesus helps us better understand that because of how much he loves the father. Mm. Over and over in this chapter, if you go back and read it, he talks about, I only do what he tells me to do. I only say what he tells me to say, right? He loves God right. and wants to please him. And he's offering us, this truth that will set us free from all of Satan's lies. And those lies are so plentiful. I feel like, I know there's nothing new under the sun, but I feel like we're definitely in a season where it's so front and center, you know, that, that men can have babies, that um, you can choose, you can choose your ethnicity, you can choose your gender, that you you have these options. None of that resides in truth. And because of that, you just get jumbled thoughts. You get just a bondage of an unsound mind. 
Mm-hmm. And Jesus offers to free you from all of that. He says, right. just be my disciple, walk with me, and mm-hmm. I will keep you free from that. You know, one thing I just love about Jesus is because of who he is and how he loves everybody, I can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have to choose to only love people of a certain color, of a certain ethnicity, of a certain culture. I can love everybody right? because that's what Jesus does. That's what's true. Now, that doesn't mean I will love them imperfectly and excuse things that are not excusable because he didn't do that in this chapter where he mm-hmm. says truth will set you free. He also says, go and sin no more. Right. So I just love that about him. And um, I just want to share one more verse. This is from later in John. It's actually in John 18 when Jesus is in front of Pilate. And he makes this really interesting statement. So this is in John 18, 37. Pilate's just asked him, are you a king then? And Jesus says, you say rightly, I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, after this, Pilate says, what is truth? And even though my version has a question mark after that, I never hear it that way in my head. Mm, I always feel like, what is truth? You know, just a hopeless statement. But what strikes me about this verse is that Jesus says he has come. His whole purpose for coming, right, was to bear witness to the truth. And Mm -hmm. if we've been born again in Jesus, then guess what? That is our whole purpose, to go out into the world and bear witness to the truth, which is so beautiful that we get this mission of sharing this freeing message of truth setting you free from whatever is putting you in bondage, law keeping, um, whatever it is, the truth will set you free from that. Mm-hmm. The truth sets us free from anything that can put us in bondage. Right. Outstanding. Outstanding. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Heather. This sure. was such a good class and something that every soul listening can really, really benefit from. So I'll share just a few final thoughts and make some announcements. And thank you also, Allison, for being with us. And Isla, if you are out there, we miss you. Come home. You. Do yes. not move to Switzerland. We need you here. <laughs> we need you here. Bring back chocolate. Yes. Good point. So, <laughs> yeah, the good stuff. Yeah. So, yes, the free uh, truth sets us free from everything. And so if, if our visitors, our, our viewers tonight, excuse me, have um, something special in their hearts right now after hearing this, that what they'd like to say, like, what has the truth set you free from? We would love to hear that in your comments. Because mm-hmm. um, if you think about it, he has set us free from living in guilt the rest of our lives. He set us free from the fear of death. He has set us free from this, even the suppression of man-made religion, like New Testament Christianity is where religious freedom resides. And you made a point pretty early on, Heather, about how 
there's so many applications to how the truth can set us free. Uh, the ultimate application is that it sets us free from really eternal damnation and to an eternity instead uh, with God eternally in his right hand is pleasures forever. That's the truth. So this week, as you go and uh, encounter life, our listeners, um, think about telling yourselves the truth about reality. Sometimes it's hard to face what the reality is of a situation and acknowledge that, as Heather pointed out, grieve over the things that need to be grieved, sit in that long enough to grieve. But then like King David, who lost his uh, child that he had with Bathsheba, there was a moment where after telling himself the harsh truth and feeling it and internalizing it, right, washed his face. And then the truth was that he had responsibilities as the king of Israel. The truth was that God had forgiven him. The truth was there was more work and glory to be given to God. So yeah, let's just always moment by moment, harsh realities, tell yourself the truth. And so uh, I'll close tonight with our usual announcements. Um, be sure to catch Answering Religious Error um, every um, Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They're doing a series called Keeping My Head On Straight. Very practical ideas about, I mean, that's where it's, the game is lost or won, right, ladies? By keeping your head on straight according to the Word of God. And then they also do a live question and answer period every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time. So I, whenever it's my turn to make these announcements, and I can barely do it, Isla's our go-to on this. Yeah. <laughs> usually, I think I got it right finally this time. But what I usually say is try to stump these guys. Like, these guys are Bible scholars, and I just challenge anyone, ask them a Bible question that you think that they can't figure out because I think they'll surprise you <laughs> and all their answers are using a book chapter and verse. So that's the best part is that they yeah. find what really what God's answers are for your question in the scriptures. So that's what we have for you tonight. Thanks again, ladies. And we'll say good night. Good night.